0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. All right, thank you, Stephan. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth. You're here with me. And uh, welcome, everybody, from River Church, Baltimore, that's here in the uh, chairs. And tonight, we have all-night prayer. I want you to get here. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Revival Today Church. We'll put the information up at the end. Um, We have our miracle service, 7 o'clock prayer, tonight, after that, all night, till 6 a.m., Saturday communion, and uh, then our normal Sunday main event. Today, taking your place at the top, the 50 Secrets of Uncommon Achievers, part 7, and I'm glad that you're with us. Lyric, assuming you're on, where did we leave off yesterday? 37. I know where we left off. We're on number 38. Taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers, part seven. Number 38, glad you're on. Number 38, uncommon achievers decide to do something that's never been done before. Uncommon achievers decide to do something that's never been done before. When you're the first at something, it's gonna gonna blow up. There's nothing wrong with drawing inspiration from all kinds of sources. I heard Pastor Matthew Ashamaloa say one time, when it comes to pastoring, you're like a bee that picks pollen from all different flowers and builds your own hive. You see good ideas from other places. That's unavoidable. No, no, one, no one's going to have everything they did. They're the first one <laughs> that did it. But the thing that you do, if you're going to be uncommon, it either needs to be something that's never been done before, Or, done a way that's never been done before. Done differently than anyone's ever done it. The scripture for this would be the entire story of Solomon building the temple for God. It had never been built before. Nobody had ever built a temple like that for any God. It's a building that we're still talking about to this day. I don't know how much it would be worth. 112 tons of gold, 262 tons of silver. You're talking probably into the hundreds of billions of dollars for a building. You think that the the Cowboys stadium was under a billion dollars. And we're talking about a building that was hundreds of billions of dollars. Solomon did something that had never been done before. Uncommon achievers do something that, had never been done, that has never been done before. Or do it in a way that it's never been done. Check the news for this ministry, those of you that have watched it. Is it the first time somebody did a news program? No. What made it unique? Any kind of conservative news is depressing. There's no humor. The world's gonna end. If Biden gets in, our bank, uh, the, the dollar's going to crash. There's not going to be any oil. Of course, a lot of that's coming true. But everything, if you watch conservative news, you feel like you're going to die. And during COVID, the lockdowns, when Check the News came out, it was very dire. Anything you watched was that America's going to fail and uh, they're going to lock you down. And if you don't get the vaccine, they're going to put you in a concentration camp at Walmart. And that, that might have been the plan. But... Check the news, reported the same news, but we were making fun of everybody. We were making fun of Dr. Fauci. We were making fun of all the public health officials, making fun of what they wear, making fun of how they look, and people said that was the only laugh I would have during that time. It was all stress, and it, it reported dire news, but people left laughing. Uncommon achievers, Decide to do something that's never been done before. Or do something in a way that something's never been done before. And then once you do that, everybody starts copying it. There was one comedy news show. It was called The Daily Show. It was hosted by Jon Stewart. Now there's a ton. In fact, late night talk shows have basically turned into to news comedy shows. And most of them are awful, but the original was great. Uncommon achievers decide to do something that's never been done before. Or do it in a way that it's not been done. If you're selling something, and there's a bunch of people selling the same product, and they tell you a way to sell it, God can give you an idea that's different than everybody else's idea that puts you ahead of the rest of the pack. Abraham did something as a cattle rancher. He wasn't the only person who raised cattle, but he did something that was different than all the other people who were ranching cattle. He dug wells. Back then in history, everybody went looking for water for their livestock. God gave him an idea that there was water under the earth. Then what happened? That water irrigated his land, so even if there was, was no rain, everybody else's land would be in famine, and he had wells. So either you do something that's never been done before, or you do it in a way where no one's ever done it. Number 39: First Kings, chapter six, verse one. It was in mid-spring in the month of Ziv, during the 14th year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. I'm going to read another scripture, if I can find it. Off the top of my head, there it is. I was right. Go to Nehemiah 6.3. I'll include this one as well. Nehemiah 6.3. There's Ezra. Where's his buddy Nehemiah? There he is. Nehemiah 6.3. Nehemiah said, I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Which is a very funny verse to me. I, I told them to get that scripture made into a plaque and put on my office door. I'm engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? That's Nehemiah, Bible character, anointed man. I'm engaged, Nehemiah 6.3, I'm engaged in a great work. Why should I stop working to meet with you? First Kings 6, 1 Kings 6.1 documents all the time. It was in this day of this month, 480 years after they were delivered from Egypt. Number 39 Uncommon achievers value time. If you're going to be an uncommon achiever, you need to value time. I will almost never. I'll go years without meeting somebody at their home. If you meet somebody at their home, you're trapped. I don't I'll meet somebody at a place. If they say, "Oh, let's we're all going to the same place, let's take the same car." No, because then You can get done eating and they say, have you ever had a tour of Lexington, Kentucky? Let me drive you around. And then you agreed to go to lunch and next thing you know, you're there for six hours. Appointments need to have a start time and appointments need to have an end time. And restaurants are good at that. And then some restaurants... You understand there, there's nice steakhouses that people go there on special occasions. So they would, most of their clientele would be upset if they brought the meals quickly and rushed them out. They're there. It's like an anniversary or um, retirement party. So they think you want to be there a long time. So sometimes if I eat at a place like that, I let them know, listen, this is not the crowning achievement of my life. It's just, uh, it's just dinner. So I'm ready to order. I know one minister he would call ahead to the restaurant and order his food and tell them to put it on the table for when he arrives. When I first heard that, I thought it was crazy. The older I get, I'm going to start doing it. The older you get, if you're wise, you you start to value time. I can get money back. I invest money in something. I think it's going to go up. Instead, it tanks 40%. I still own those shares. I can get the money back. I can withdraw the money and invest it in something else and double it. I cannot get time back. Uncommon achievers value time. People that don't achieve anything, they have no value for their time. They'd be happy to talk to you all day. Want to go hang out? Nope. And the more you achieve, the more valuable your time becomes. Without, And I, I'm telling you, nobody was less like this than me. I was happy to blow, blow weeks at a time doing nothing. One time, Adalis went on a trip with her sisters, and when she came back home three days later, I was wearing the same clothes, sitting in the same spot, playing the same video games with about eight pizza boxes stacked up. So I promise you I wasn't always like this. But now, I had this broadcast, 10 a.m., I have prayer at noon. I have uh, miracle service tonight 7. I need to shoot television intros and outros in between. I need to sign more of those Dominion books. We got the second shipment in. I got to sign a bunch. And then I, uh, I preach at 7, and I lead prayer from 11 till 6 a.m. So I'll have people write me on, uh, on my phone. I'd love to meet with you. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. C- come meet. Come to prayer. Come to, seven, come to 7 o'clock service. I'm here. But I, I don't have time. I make time. In fact, Pastor Tony Carpenter's here. I know him, and I like him. So I'm happy to, to, to go to dinner with somebody that I know. But I, I can't go to dinner with everybody. I'd love to get a meal with you. I had somebody, especially, I had somebody write me. I was in Florida. Now, these new meetings that we do, I fly out of here on Friday, like next weekend. I'll fly out of here on Friday at about 4 or 5 p.m., I'll land 40 minutes before church starts, 30 minutes before church starts. Grab a coffee, go straight to the platform at 7 p.m. Preach and pray for people till 10 or 10.30. Then we have service at 10 a.m. the following morning, our partner banquet in the afternoon, and then service at 7 p.m. And then after service, I fly straight back to Pittsburgh to preach Sunday morning. Well, I'll be in a city and somebody says, hey, I see you're here this weekend. Would you have time to go get some coffee? No, I don't. How do you not, you know, when somebody asks me that, I know they don't even pay attention to what I'm doing because obviously I don't have time. I don't have time. And people get upset when they knew you when you, when you had time and then now you don't. You used to have time. Yeah, I did used to and now I don't. I truly don't have time. If my mother was in uh, Orange City, Iowa, I would not have time to drop by and visit her that weekend. I'd have to make another trip to go visit her. I don't have time. My time is scheduled out. So if people can't understand that, then, then, you know, go be a part of a ministry that has all the time in the world. I know I sound ticked off, but I'm not. You know, so if, you go, if you go meet President Trump, you going, hey, want to go hang out? No, you, 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 better, you better get to the point of what you're going to say in about 90 seconds. Oral Roberts told the story of when he got to meet John F. Kennedy Jr. And they were supposed to have 30 minutes together. And his brother, Robert Kennedy, came in with a real serious look on his face and some papers and said, This demands your attention right now. And he had to cut the meeting short. I remember my grandfather... When he would finish preaching, he would walk straight back to his office and he wouldn't break stride. So if you wanted to talk to him, you could talk to him, but you needed to walk out with him. When I finished preaching in Cincinnati a couple uh, weekends ago, I gave the mic to, my pa- to the pastor and we had to fly out immediately. I was already running late for the takeoff time. We were, gonna get to the, we were supposed to take off at 1030. We were going to get there at about 1040. So I start walking out to my vehicle. And, of course, a lady follows you out and tries to stop you to talk to you. She said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, but walk with me. I learned that from walk to my car. If she stops me there and that pastor does a short job closing the, the service out, I'm going to get sw- I'll be there another hour, and I can't. I would love to talk to everybody, but I'm on a mission. And there will hit a point in what you're doing The Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. Then the Bible says, your latter end will greatly increase. So there is a time where you have time. Enjoy it. And I'm telling you that. Don't get frustrated. I was talking to my my cousin that's starting out in the ministry. And he said, man, I don't have anywhere to go preach for three weeks. I said, enjoy it. Play video games all three weeks. Because the time will come where where those days are over. I remember, and I told him what I'm going to tell you. I said, I used to feel like that, just frustrated. Lord, I want to preach. Open up doors for me to preach. And then they I want to preach for you all the time. Well, the, the time came where I finished a meeting in, at King's Cathedral in Maui, Hawaii, and I had to fly out that night at 11 p.m. through the night for where I was going to preach Sunday morning. I finished preaching, uh, and I lose six hours. So I finished preaching, I think, Saturday night, and I left to fly through the night to preach Sunday So when I finished preaching, they had a vehicle waiting for me outside the door. I handed the mic to Pastor Morocco, ran to the vehicle. They drove me to the airport. I checked in. I made it just before the 35-minute cutoff, ran to my gate, still holding my Bible in a suit and tie, sweaty from preaching, and I felt the Lord speak to me, happy now? So the day will come where you have a lot to do. When you're starting, enjoy. Enjoy that you have, enjoy that you can take from when Friday work is over till work starts Monday again and you have all day Saturday free and all day Sunday free. Those days will come to an end. So enjoy the stage that you're at and keep working for growth. But then you're going to have to learn to, to say No. To appointments, you're going to have to learn to say what Nehemiah said. I'm engaged in a great work. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Not that you have to phrase it like that, but Nehemiah phrased it exactly like that. I'm engaged in a great work. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Number 39, Solomon valued time, Nehemiah valued time, uncommon achievers value time. I'd love to, I'd love to uh, go out with you sometime and just share some things. You know, if people, I'd love to talk to you sometime. We're talking right now. We're going to make another appointment to go talk. We're talking. What do you have to say? I know you sound like a jerk, but that's, that's the way it is. You know, To me, forget the great work you're assigned in. Why should I stop working to meet with you? What about time away from Camila? What about time away from Adalas? If, if we're going to meet... It needs to be important. I met with Pastor Tony Carpenter. He started a church in Baltimore. He's doing great. He wanted to ask some questions. I love talking ministry with qualified ministers that are doing a great job. I enjoy that. But even with that meeting, I told, um, told Magalas, because he, he asked to meet with me, and a couple other ministers asked to meet with me. I said, well, this is only going to continue. So what we're gonna do starting now is we're gonna make like let's say June first and December first twice twice a year. Maybe we'll do three times a year, where every minister that says I'd love to eat with you and ask you some questions, we'll tell them not that you have to register. There's a cost. That June first, we're having, we're having. I'm gonna have a lunch with all ministers that want to talk, and you, you can come there because you basically are gonna have to create a a vessel to pour the oil in. Otherwise. Otherwise you, you because you have two choices. You can either do that or you're gonna have to turn people down because you can't you can't go to dinner with everybody that wants to visit. So what's what's the best idea? The best idea is to create specified two-day times, like June 1st and 2nd, and December 1st and 2nd, where where you come, there's gonna be a lot of other and, and you can ask and we can eat together and talk. But I can't Every time somebody's visiting Pittsburgh or somebody I knew in Bible school, hey, I'm swinging through Pittsburgh, we'd love to get dinner with you. I may not love to get dinner with you. I may be tired of, t- like, like, take this, because I'll tell you what will happen. Friday night, tonight, I'm preaching, then, then I'm leading prayer from 11 p.m. to 6 in the morning. Then we have Saturday communion at 6 p.m., and then we have church at 10 a.m., I, I, I bet you I'm going to feel like sleeping after that's over. And then what will happen? You'll get a message. Say, I get a message from someone. Hey, I'm preaching Sunday morning near Pittsburgh. I thought, you know, somebody used to know, I thought I'd swing over. Would you have time to meet with me? I mean, if you, I could if you want to have lunch with somebody that's the equivalent of having lunch with an orange traffic cone or a beanbag chair. But they don't they won't understand that. They'll think you're a jerk now because now your ministry's bigger. He used to meet with me. We went to Bible school together. Now apparently he's too big. I was only 30 minutes from his church. He won't even have lunch with me. That's how people are. No, no understanding. So I'll I'll create scheduled times where if people want to meet, you come June 1st. Oh, I can't come June 1st. Okay. Well, I made a concession to meet with you and you can't change your schedule to meet. No problem, but I'm, a, I'm at least giving you the opportunity. Again, I know these are very douchey, jerky comments, but that's the way it has to be. You almost never see Dr. Rodney Howard Brown outside of two places, his house and his church. That's it. You don't see him at restaurants? He, he actually had a restaurant built into his church and a chef and a full commercial kitchen. That's how it gets. I was actually asking a barber what I would have to do to have a barber chair here with a full-time barber that does the building have to be licensed or just the barber? The building has to be licensed. I'm very strongly considering I'm having a gym built on the second floor. I don't have time to go to LA Fitness anymore. And uh, I was the only other place I go is to get my hair cut. And I was thinking of having that here. And then I don't have to leave here. Turn it into a compound. Because that's how it gets. I don't have time to drive across Pittsburgh to, to get my hair cut. I have to. But it would save me a lot of time if my barber just practiced out of my church. Then we could have local guys from the hood come through with a cardboard box full of bootlegged CDs and um, food their mother cooked and offer them for sale. Just make it a real barber shop. We could fight dogs after hours. Whatever. I mean, we'll see what happens. But number thirty-nine, Solomon valued time. Nehemiah valued time. Uncommon achievers value time. You're going to notice about poor people; they have all the time in the world. Friday, work day, work hours, quarter to 11. They're sitting on the steps talking to their buddy from fourth grade. It's called stupid. They're hanging out, and they're in their early 50s. If you ever get around Uncommon Achievers, their time is scheduled like this. And they, they, they handle it very well. You wouldn't know that they have a meeting coming up. And then they'll do something to trick you to getting out of their office like um th- this is so and so they're going to give you some of my books and take you t- to go see that building we talked about and off you go and then come the next people number th- 40 first Kings seven fourteen. i know i just made it sound like i don't ever want to meet with anybody It's I- I almost hate teaching this kind of stuff. I know you don't like meeting with people, but no, I, I didn't say that. It's just you can't meet with everybody, and then people feel bad. So I'm putting a system in to lessen the hurt feelings. First so, uh, Kings seven fourteen. You understand that. I didn't say I don't want to meet with people. I said I can't. When my plane, when the airport has a hard takeoff time, in other words, the airport closes at 11 p.m., you're not allowed, no flights can leave after 11 p.m., and the airport is 26 minutes from the church, and it's 10.30. I can't talk. (laughs) I have to go home. I have to be here for church on Sunday. Do you have time to talk? I don't. I, lit- I know you might have never been with anybody in their life that actually didn't have time. I don't have time. I have to get to the airport. So you can walk with me to my car and talk. But I- that responsibility overarches everything, including my own hunger. Boy, I'm hungry. I didn't get a chance to have dinner. Tough luck for me. I have to be on that plane to be at my church Sunday morning. Number 40, 1 Kings 7, 14. I'll uh, start at verse 13. King Solomon then asked for a man named Hiram to come from Tyre. He was half Israelite since his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali and his father had been a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. Hiram was extremely skillful and talented, in any work in bronze and he came to do all the metal work for king solomon number 40 uncommon achievers hire the best of the best solomon hired the best of the best you got two choices when it's time to hire people You can hire someone and get a deal. They were actually willing to come and work for us by faith. Or you can hire high quality people and pay them high quality wages or they'll leave because they deserve to be able to leave because everybody wants to increase. Solomon hired the best of the best. Uncommon achievers hire the best of the best. And some, you know, they might not have a reputation when you hire them that they're the best. You know, I didn't hire the best office administrator in the country. I didn't hire Joyce Myers, office administrator or uh, John Hagee. We hired Magalas, but you could see a a gift in her. You know, the Holy Spirit will help you with that. Somebody has a gift, and then they they train and learn. And now I would put her up against anybody. I would put Patrick up against anybody. They have a gift. And then as they've worked, just like I wasn't the best preacher, I was way nowhere near... In preaching, what I at 31 when I hired him, than, than I am now, but I had a gift. And then you learn and grow, and you learn and grow together. So it's not, but then at the same time, it's not the worst idea to find out who the best people are that you need. In the corporate world, they call it headhunting. Who's the best? A lot of Christians feel like they're limited to hire whoever's in their area. Jonathan, I know you have a really good media team. We don't really, you know, I pastor out in rural Indiana and there's nobody like that that here that's tech savvy. It's a a Mennonite community. There's not even a lot of people that are well-versed in electronics. There's no colleges around here. Yeah, it's not 1810. Go take a trip to a technical school. Find out who they're, my father did that in his ministry. He went to a, a school that's a broadcasting school, and asked who their top student was and hired him out of college. You're not limited as to where you live. Hire the best of the best. That Huram guy, I don't even think he was, a, he was in their religion. He was from Tyree. He was a half-Israelite, half-pagan. Solomon didn't hire him because he was a Christian or a believer. He hired him because he was extremely well-skilled in bronze work, and he needed bronze work done. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how much our airplane pilots pray. I care how good they are at landing and taking off. I don't want to hear them praying. I would get nervous if I heard prayers in tongues coming from the cockpit. i think, well, I guess we're dying I don't care what a surgeon's devotional life is like. If somebody in my, someone I know needs a surgery, you want the best surgeon. I'm so sick of, I mean, I grew up in church. All you ever heard about, there's some unskilled guy that blew everything that that, that you gave him to do, and you had to hear what a good heart he had. Man, the sound was awful today. I know, that sound man, you know, he doesn't do a good job, but he's got a tremendous heart. Great. Have him run marathons with his great heart. But I need a sound man. The guy we use for our over- <laughs> no you like that? I, uh, the guy we use for sound in our outdoor crusades, he wasn't a Christian. He got saved, I think, in the fourth set of crusades when he saw that lady get healed of um, cerebral palsy. He cried and got saved. He was a rock. He was a rock and roll sound man. He ran Billy Joel's sound, and he did great. And the guy we use now, Devin, I don't hire him because he's a Christian. If he backslid, I'd hire him anyway. I want a good sound man. Now, if you're in the ministry, obviously, you don't just want a good musician leading praise and worship. So there are, there are positions that you need, you need somebody that's saved. But if I, you're in business, I'd hire people that are excellent at their work. And I want to deal with this because one, one way the devil shipwrecks people and their dreams and keeps them as, as small achievers is he prays on the merciful, compassionate side of you that you have as a Christian. I have a construction company, and I got a couple guys working for me. I grew up with their moms in church, and their, their mothers attend my church. Their sons have gotten into drugs, and I'm trying to help them get back on their feet, and they haven't been showing up. Yeah, you're going to wreck your whole dream. You didn't start a business to be a a rehab. When we used to take mission trips to Hawaii to start those churches, I would tell this is not a rehab. This is not a place for you to send your troubled teen. I want top notch Christian youth and young adults to help me build a church and win people to the Lord. So you got to make a choice. Do you wanna have a construction company that's a part methadone clinic, part rehab? Or do you wanna have a construction company that's a multi-million dollar national or regional power in construction? Hire excellent people. Hire the best of the best. My friend Nick's sitting just off camera. He, he works in media. He came to work with us his senior year in high school. He had a passion for it. Was he the best of the best at 17? No, he had no reputation. He wasn't even out of high school. But you could tell, this this kid's gifted, and he cares about the ministry. It'd be a cold day in hell when I had some bum youth pastor. Because we don't really have, I don't know who else I would get. Go get somebody else. Go 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 take a tour of some Bible schools. Who's your top student that's studying youth ministry? And meet with them. Hire the best of the best. Solomon didn't hire his nephew to do bronze work. He hired some guy that lived in, a, in Tyree whose father was not an Israelite, but they had a reputation that they were the best when it came to bronze work. Who's the best? Figure it out. You got the internet. Number 40, uncommon achievers hire the best of the best. Number 41 First Kings chapter 2 1 Kings chapter 2 would take too long to read the whole chapter for the time that we have. It's 46 verses. But you're going to see some of the first, 1 Kings chapter 2, you're going to see the, be, the first signs of dissent in Solomon's rule. Chiefly, thanks Rick, chiefly with his son Absalom. And Solomon dealt with Absalom even though he was his own son. So you see a contrast between Solomon and Absalom and Eli with his sons Hophni and Phinehas. Number 41, Solomon refused to tolerate the slightest disloyalty. Number 41, uncommon achievers do, will not tolerate the slightest disloyalty. If you catch somebody being disloyalty or disloyal, and you don't deal with it, you're going to have a problem. I'm going to tell you something an old pastor taught me. Jesus taught, I want you to write this down, shepherds, sheep, wolves, wolves in sheep's clothing. And I want you to write this down. You can't, Change a wolf into a sheep. Jesus taught everybody's not a sheep. There's sheep, there's wolves, and there's wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Pastor, I want you to know that while we're here at this church, anything you want, we're here to help. I'd be careful about people like that. Pastor, I want you to know we would never leave this church. Who was asking? <laughs> so why are, you, why are you already thinking about whether you'd leave the church or not? Keep an eye on them. And the longer, the longer um, of course, this is for business people and ministry. But from a ministry standpoint, the longer you're in the ministry, the more you can just spot people. Because basically everybody falls into different lanes. People have similar spirits. A lady that's willing to commit adultery with somebody on staff at a church has the same spirit. It's the same demon. So whether you're in Tacoma, Washington, or you pastor in Dallas, Texas, the lady will have a different face, but they act the same. They have the same mannerisms. They have the same mode of behavior. And if you can discern somebody's spirit, they have the same spirit. So you can spot them. When my Uncle Tim was the associate pastor for my grandfather, a new family came to church one Sunday morning. My grandfather was getting ready to retire. And he, he pointed at them subtly and said to my Uncle Tim on the platform, keep an eye on that family when you take over. They're going to be trouble. And my Uncle Tim said, I, you know, he was young. He thought, well, wow, what a harsh, judgmental thing to say. To this is their first Sunday at church. He said, that family caused me all kinds of problems. So when you're in your 60s, you can just spot people. Wolves, sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. And a lot of Christians waste their whole life trying to turn a wolf into a sheep. He's a good guy, you know. Um, Three and a half years listening to Jesus teach and being around his miracle ministry couldn't change Judas. So don't feel bad if you can't either. But one of you is a devil. That's what Jesus said. They would not have taught that at the Ark Church Planning Conferences. But one, I want you to write that in the comments in your notes. But one of you is a devil. Now, if you think everybody's a devil, you have a problem. Jesus said one of you is a devil. Like, Our whole church is full of demons. No, you—you you sound like you belong in a mental institution. One of you is a devil. Don't tolerate disloyalty. A preacher I'm, I'm friends with was preaching at a church, and the sound man came and yelled at the pastor's wife. And the, uh, my friend said, I was waiting for the, the pastor to hit him. He just stood there. And the, the, wife, the pastor's wife shook her head. And they said to him, you know, he'll lose his temper sometimes, but I don't know what we'd do if he left the church. He's one of our biggest givers. So Satan will actually plant people in your church to keep, and it's a small church, and it'll always be small because you're bending over backwards or forwards to keep him. And in the meantime, he's running off people left and right. Plus, it's spiritually out of order. You know, Brother Shambach was doing a healing line one time and he's laying hands on, on people and anointing them with oil and he gets to this lady and before he can lay hands on her, she goes, you've taken over an hour taking an offering tonight. These people have come to be healed and starts yelling at him. So he was real nice, you know, he skipped her and just kept praying. And when he got three people down, the Lord said, if you don't deal with her, there won't be any more healings or miracles because she's undercut your authority in the spirit. So he went back and laid her out. Not physically, but verbally. And then he went back to praying for people. I wish my dad was here, because he, I learned a lot of this from him, and he teaches on this, and it's really good, that your authority is connected to your anointing. So when you let people override your authority, it will stop your anointing. Because in the Spirit, they've dethroned you. We have this guy on the board of our church, you know, he's been a real problem. No, you're the problem for not dealing with him. Number 41, uncommon achievers refuse to tolerate the slightest disloyalty. We had to close our church because, you know, we have a board. No, you, you have a leadership problem. Jesus didn't say write this letter to the board of the church of Philadelphia. He said write it to the angel of the church in, in Philadelphia. The leader is the leader. Did you know? And if I go to this church, I'm going to confront the person personally, even though I'm not their pastor, just because I, I, I actually enjoy confronting people. I do it all the time. There were four guys. I was leaving Dunkin' Donuts yesterday, and there were four guys, businessmen, and two of them had masks on outside by themselves. And I rolled the window down and said, thanks for wearing your mask, guys, outside by yourself with nobody within 100 yards of you. Together we can beat this. And they thought I was serious, and they gave me the thumbs up, and Camila laughed her head off because she knew I was mocking them. Then they, knew, and they went, You could tell they were frowning even though they had a mask on. I love confrontation, if you can't tell. We were driving, um, what's that place in Cannonsburg, the Mexican restaurant that's closing? Los well, Chiludos. I was leaving there. I had Pastor Brian Tomes in the car with me. And this lady, I guess, I guess a guy bumped her with his car. Not her, her car. She got out and was lighting this guy on, up. You effing idiot. And he was just standing there taking it because that's how we've been indoctrinated now. As men in society, that you just have to not say anything. So, but you know, I have a little bit of Irish blood in me, mostly Polish, but some Irish. And the Irish mantra is, "Is this a private f- fight or can anyone join?" So I pulled up real slow and rolled my window down, and I said, "Excuse me." The lady went, "What?" I said, "Sorry to hear you ran out of mitol, which is um, anti-period medication." And that guy started laughing. And Brian Tone started laughing. And she went to, I thought blood was going to squirt out of her ears. And I started laughing. And then I just slowly drove off. And that guy gave me the thumbs up. So hopefully he'll remember me and start attending the church. Oh, you're right. Absalom was David's son. Thank you, John. Make sure you correct that in the book so I don't look like an idiot. Um. So what do you know? Solomon had a problem with a brother. The one brother was upset he got passed over. <laughs> I'm not going to use names so I don't get sued, but there's a very famous ministry in the United States. A very large church. One brother was supposed to get the church when the father died, but at the last moment when the father was on his deathbed, he decided to give it to the younger son. And that that brother did the same stuff Absalom did. Tried to split the church, started doing public blog posts against the guy that pastors it now, and his whole ministry and life has fallen apart. He just got divorced. He lost his church. They started meeting in a school on Saturday, and he lost the ability to pay the lease on the school he was renting. He's a... If you'll study this book, it shows you patterns of people. And so th- once you figure out what pattern somebody is, you not only know their current behavior, you know their future behavior. That's why when you, when you talk to guys that are older in the faith, you'll say you're dealing with a problem. They'll say, do this, then he'll do this, you do this, and he'll do this and this. Because everybody falls into, um, into patterns. Thank you, Anna. Number 41, uncommon achievers refuse to tolerate the slightest disloyalty. Mistakes happen. That's not disloyalty. If Ram forgets to play a video that I asked him to play, that's a mistake. It's not you won't tolerate the slightest mistakes, don't confuse it. And just start firing people left and right. Disloyalty would be if Ram wasn't at prayer tonight because he started a side prayer meeting. (laughs) That's disloyalty. So I brought up shepherds, sheep, wolves, and wolves in sheep's clothing. That's how Jesus taught the pastoral ministry. And you need to know who's who. Sheep are not shepherds. So we don't make group decisions. One time a guy came in to complain to my Uncle Terry, who pastors in Virginia Beach, had all these complaints sounding off. My Uncle Terry was sitting behind his desk, and when he got all done with a wide smile, my Uncle Terry said, here's what you don't understand. I'm a shepherd, and you're a sheep. You keep talking and talking, but all I hear is, bah, And that guy's face changed colors, and then he left. See, now they don't have leaders. They have group decisions. We have a pulpit committee. We have different guys. People destroy their ministries because they have sheep as shepherds. Just because somebody did half okay in business doesn't mean they're a preacher. Just like somebody does well in the ministry doesn't mean they can run a construction firm or an accounting department. So what I was going to say is, this older pastor told me, if you spot a wolf in your church and you throw them out, you'll throw one person out or one family. If you let them stay, they'll gather a following, and now instead of one family leaving, when you finally have to deal with the problem, because you will have to deal with it, you'll lose a quarter of your church, half your church. What people don't understand about confrontation is you're going to have to do it. It's just when are you going to do it? You could throw somebody out that's causing problems the first day. You can wait till they get 40 people on their side and are holding their own private Bible study and have talked people out of leaving your church. Or you can wait till they've got three quarters of the congregation on their side and vote you out of your own ministry, which has happened to many people. They've, they were voted out of their, of their own ministry. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. My constitution and bylaws for this ministry mirror Fidel Castro's constitution and bylaws, so that ain't happening here. Uncommon achievers refuse to tolerate the slightest disloyalty. Deal with problems or the problem will deal with you. Cut the head off the snake when it's small. If you wait till it's big, it'll choke you out. You ever hear the story of the missionaries that were lonely, husband and wife? Because they, you know, if you've never been to a country for a long period of time where nobody speaks your language and you can't really communicate, it gets, it gets kind of, I'm, I'm the last person to get lonely, but I was in a country where everybody spoke French in Africa. I couldn't talk to anybody, hardly anybody. You know, when you find yourself ironing your suit saying, is Mr. Iron thirsty? And then putting water in it. You know, you're, uh, it's time to get back to where you can talk to people. So these missionaries are like that overseas. <laughs> Which sadly did happen. Who's thirsty? Who's a good iron? So um, they're, over, uh, they're over in this other country and a snake's in their house. And the snake would come into bed with them, and they left it because they, they just treat it like a pet, started feeding it. The snake left them alone. It didn't bite, and it would lay in bed with them every night, whether it was for the warmth or whatever. So they ended up sharing the story with somebody, at how it was getting bigger and bigger. And they told them, kill the snake when you get home. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's stretching itself out so that when it chokes you to death, it's big enough to to eat you. And that's how people are. Well, it's just a little problem. You know, this is one person. And they they leave them. And the problem, they keep the snake in bed and the snake gets bigger and bigger, planning to choke them out. People have people like that on their staff. Forget church people. People have disloyal people on their staff. What was I going to tell you about disloyal people on staff? I preached for a, a friend of mine. <coughs> and I, I preached in my message on obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit and immediately responding to things God's instructed you to do. Well, afterwards, my friend told me, you know, when you preached that, the Lord reminded me that he put a check in my spirit not to hire our youth pastor. But I did it anyway because I didn't know who else to hire. And that guy's wife was throwing Tupperware parties at the church for her side business and having it at the sanctuary. So my wife told her, you can't do that. You you can't have private business events in the church sanctuary. So she posted his wife... A big thing in all caps on Facebook with us by name and how we're selfish and the church is empty on Saturday anyway, but our pastor won't let us use it. That was weeks ago, and I kept them because I didn't want to fire them. And when you were speaking, the Lord reminded me that they're here out of the will of God, and I was out of the will of God for hiring them. What should I do? I said they should be fired before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. If you made a mistake... That's one thing. But to stay in error, that, that's another level of stupidity. So he fired him the next morning. I have a friend of mine that felt to leave the state he's in with his wife and family and come down and plug into Revival Today Church. Did you know one of the ladies that's on staff at another church, which is the one I said I'm going to confront him when I, next time I see him, It'll be the last time they ever do this to somebody, I promise you, when I get done. They pulled the wife aside and said, did God speak to you as well about moving down there? She said, no, but I'm just listening to my husband. She, this is a, a, an associate pastor's wife at a full gospel church. She said, well, if you don't feel to leave and your family's here, you, could, you should divorce him and then you can stay here with the kids. What sound, godly, biblical advice And that's a problem. People have disloyalty in their own marriages. You know, I felt to do this, but my wife said, you'll hear women in the West, you won't hear this much in Saudi Arabia, but in the West, you'll hear women, well, God spoke, my husband said God spoke to him. I told him when God speaks to me, then we'll do it. No, God doesn't speak to idiots. God doesn't speak to stupid women. I didn't say he doesn't speak to women. I said he doesn't speak to stupid women. And you're an idiot to talk like that. Tell me how many times God spoke to Sarah about what Abraham and her were supposed to do. God speaks to the leader. It's the leader's job to disseminate the the information to the crew. God spoke to Moses. Moses had to get everybody on board. God's write this letter to the angel or the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. Write this letter to the angel or the pastor of the church in Laodicea. You're in charge and God holds you responsible. That's why ministers get double honor and they also have double accountability and double responsibility because God holds that pastor accountable for what's going on in the church. Tough concept to grasp if you went to New York University and majored in gender studies. But God wasn't a professor at New York University. And his way of doing things is the husband is the high priest of the home just like the pastor's the head of the church. And a woman is to submit to her husband as, as the church submits to Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus speaking to me? Well, when God the Father tells me that, then I'll listen. Holy moly. You'd have to be one taco shy of a combination platter. Brain doesn't work right. You're not going to read a lot of Bible verses, and God asked the angels, what do you all think we should do? God has direction. God gives direction. And he gives it to the leader. That's why so many churches are screwed up. The board vetoes what God told the pastor. The board didn't feel that now's the right time. Who gives a crap what the board feels? Who are they? How many churches have they built? When did they give their life to the ministry? Don't tolerate disloyalty. I'll tell you another saying of my grandfather, A.E. Shuttlesworth Problems in life are free, you don't have to put them on the payroll. There's people that they have staff members that cause them problems. You pay people to alleviate problems, not to cause problems. I was on a trip with another minister, and he got a call from his church. We don't know where the key is to unlock a certain door for an event we're doing right now. I promise you, it was his associate pastor. That person would have been fired at the end of that call if it was me. That guy doesn't take many trips. That was like his first vacation in two years, and they got to ask him where a key is. And his answer, hold on, I'll, I'll call so-and-so. You can't sort that out. Then there's no use having you. It's not that you're firing them as punishment. There's no need to pay you for your help. You're not a help. I can't even leave you in charge anything without you having to bring it back to me. That is interesting, Charles. The whole way sin entered the world is the devil, he didn't go through Adam, he went through Eve. And usurped the order that God made. And then God even said after, your desire will be to rule over your husband, but he'll rule over you. So that's a demonic thing that got introduced. And I know that doesn't fly nowadays, but neither does anything else I believe, so I don't give a crap. I'm not for transgender children. I'm not for the wife saying, uh, when God speaks to me, then we'll listen. I'm not for any of the new stuff that got introduced that's crippling the country. I'm old school, and I mean like 6,000 AD old school. 6,000 BC, sorry. Number 42, uncommon achievers honor the law Yeah, Pastor, um, I won't say your name. But if you pastor in Canada, you're going to have to deal with that. That's a spirit. It's in Canada the strongest I've ever seen it anywhere in the world where the board has the pastor by the balls. They feel like they can just interchange pastors and the board has the church. And the pastor, I can count on one hand the the number of strong Canadian pastors I've met. They're board-ruled. And so if you're gonna if you're gonna do something in Canada in a church, you're gonna have to break that Canadian spirit that the board of directors is actually higher than the pastor. It's not scriptural. Forty two, uncommon achievers honor the law of admiration. Uncommon achievers honor the law of admiration. Don't always be the one talking. Get around people that are doing more than you without having to tell them how much you're doing. The law of admiration. I know I've given a lot of ministry examples today, probably because I'm in the ministry. Even though this this is more geared for business, and I'm trying to make this appeal to business people. But I will tell you, preachers are some of the worst people on planet Earth for not honoring the law of admiration. They always have to be talking. I got to meet Jesse Duplantis last year. There was another preacher in the room. Every time Jesse told a story, Brother Jesse told a story about getting a plane, that guy had to pipe up about how he was able to get a new car. Wow, those things are very similar. I don't know which testimony I enjoyed hearing more about. Brother Jesse getting a $60 million aircraft or are you getting a, a, an automobile. They're the same. How about shut up and listen? Preachers always have to be the one talking. They'll be in somebody else's office and someone's asking that person about, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about I've been there with Pastor Rodney. Someone's asking him about ministry or church and some guy nobody's ever heard of sitting in the room what I've always done. Who cares what you've always done? Who are you? I went to go visit Dr. Mike Murdoch in his home. Ask him how much I talked. I listened to him and took notes for four hours. What do I I need to teach him? He's in his mid-70s. Brother Mike, I want to uh, just tell you a couple things I've learned. Not important. Not to mention, personally, I don't care about what I know because I already know it. I want to know more things. I don't want to recite the things I've already learned. Then if I'm in a position where somebody wants to talk to me, like these last two days, then I'm happy to talk. But if I'm, I'm going to go meet Brother Jesse next week. If he doesn't ask me any questions about my ministry, I won't tell him anything about it. I want to know what you know. I want to hear what you have to say. The law of admiration. Do you ever notice some people, they can name you ten preachers they don't like, but they can't name you one they do like. And I'm talking about preachers. I don't like Rod Parsley. I don't like Kenneth Copeland. I don't like Benny Hinn. Who do you like? You jerk. If you don't admire anybody, then you can't follow the scripture that says, Be followers of those who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. The Bible doesn't just tell you to follow God, it says, Be followers of them who by faith and patience have obtained. The Promises of God. The Multiplying Church by Dr. James Morocco. I want to grow my church. He has a church that's uh, 10 times the size of mine. So I ordered his book and I talked to him on the phone and he spoke to me for about 90 minutes. And I never told him one thing I was doing or what I thought. That's interesting, um, Dr. Morocco, but I've all also thought, who cares what I thought? I've been pastoring for 14 weeks. Know who the number one person is in a room, and if you're not him, keep your mouth shut. Do you know one reason I never said anything to, Dr. Um, to Brother Jesse Duplantis about my ministry? What testimony am I going to... <coughs> you sound like an idiot, you know, because what testimony are you going to tell him that impresses him? He had had eight people sow $1 million into his ministry from December through April of that year. So what am I going to tell him? I want, somebody gave me $20,000? He's burned that much jet fuel with his plane uh, starting up in the time it took him to tell that me to tell him that testimony, you sound like an idiot. You're like somebody telling uh, Barry Bonds how one time you hit a home run in Little League. So just just be quiet. You don't have to be telling people all. I mean, good Lord, man, you take your average preacher, even older preachers that aren't. Not older, accomplished preachers, but even guys do this in their 50s and 60s that are like tier B, tier C type preachers. Hi, my name's um, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I travel as an evangelist. I've already been to 11 different cities this year. And Then we started a church. The church is growing um, huge. We had 430 people two Sundays ago. We're believing for 1,000 people. Uh, yeah, you're going to tell something like that to Bishop David Oyedepo who's got 5,000 people in his choir. He's not impre- You sound like an idiot. Honor the law of admiration. Lester Summerall was chairing Billy Graham's crusade in South Bend, Indiana. And when Billy Graham came to meet, the, meet him, he got ready to introduce himself and Billy Graham said, Dr. Lester Summerall, I've been looking forward to meeting you. you no, know, Billy Graham was a Baptist. You'd have thought he wouldn't have known anything about full gospel preachers. He said, you know me? He said, oh, Yeah. I've been following you for a long time. I watch you on television. He said, I've made it my business to find the people in my generation who God is using and pray for them. That's Billy Graham. Do you know what that's called? That's a word that's used in the Bible that people know the word, but they don't know what it means. That's called meekness. Meekness is the ability to be teachable. If you're not meek, you don't read any books. You don't talk to people on the phone about what they know. You always have to be the one talking. Isn't it? Think of this now. Think of this. Moses met with God the Father on a mountain. And when his father in law sat him down and told him some wisdom keys about how to govern, he took notes and implemented them. He didn't say, Oh, you're going to tell me how to run Israel because I married your daughter? Let me tell you something. I met with God on a mountain. And my face was so bright when I finished, people couldn't even look at it. So shut your mouth. No. That's a great idea. I'm going to try that. Thanks. And the Bible says Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. The law of admiration. So I'll use that for the scripture. Honor the law of admiration. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. Great people meet with great people. It's one of the secrets of their greatness. The people who gifted us this building have done very well in real estate. They're busy, but we're trying to schedule a dinner. I don't want, and and this is difficult to communicate sometimes when somebody's giving you a gift because they think you want more gifts. I don't want anything I wanna know what you have that produces the ability to gift a multi-million dollar building. I wanna know what you know. Some things you know can't be implemented in what I do, but some, I bet you one thing we'll be able to. I wanna ask you a question. What do you do for work or what's your dream? And then I have a follow-up question. Who is the top person in that field? And then a third follow-up question, Have you met with them? And a fourth follow-up question, Why not? The people at the top usually have forums where you can go sit and, and, and they teach what they know. So why haven't you been? Why haven't you met them? Very important. Somebody can teach you something in one conversation that you'd have had to learn yourself for 40 years. I went to the school of hard knocks. No, you went to the school of refusing to read books or meet people. That's a choice. Most, not many, most preachers will never sit in another preacher's service, ever. They would never go hear somebody else preach. The only time they'll go to church is if they're preaching. They've got no interest in hearing what anybody else has to say, and that's why they stay small. If you go to Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's minister's conferences, the morning services, he's just telling, he'll talk, from 11 a.m. till 2.30 p.m. about practical things to deal with the ministry and what he's learned. 4,000 people on Sunday. And a number of things I could name. And there's pastors with 60 people that live three, three miles away that won't come one time. That the guy has laughing in his meetings. That's what you got out of him? That he has laughter in his meetings? I always look at that pavilion. I look at the balconies going in. See the value in people. I'm taking a plane full of people to fly over to see Brother Jesse Duplantis preach on Wednesday. People from my staff. And I'm going to meet with him. But to some people... Jesse Duplantis, all he does is tell jokes. Oh, yeah. That's all he does. He's got the largest private home in the state of Louisiana. So, if you think it's from telling jokes, maybe you should learn some of his jokes and start telling them. Probably has over 100,000 ministry partners, if not hundreds of thousands of ministry partners. So there's probably a few things you can learn from a man like that. Want to know what I learned? Let me tell you, I'll close with this. <clears throat> Remember how I told you I called Dr. James Morocco? The next day, I, I felt to call him. It was the first time I've ever called him to talk. Second time. First time was two years ago when they were shutting churches down, I thought there's no way Dr. Morocco is shutting his church. So I called him. I said, because it seemed like everybody was shutting except Dr. Rodney and, and me. So I said, that ah, we can't be the only two nuts. I said, Dr. Morocco, I want to know, are you shutting your church for this Sunday? Before I got the sentence finished, he went, no. So this is the second time I called him to talk about church growth. I felt prompted in my spirit to call him. If you look at my phone, I don't talk to too many people on the phone. Pastor Rodney, Adalis, Mogollis, my nephew Jay, very few people. My Uncle Ted. Um, so I call him. He talks to me for an hour and a half about church growth. The next day, our, our ministry gets a voice message left by Jesse Duplantis. This is my home phone number. Have Jonathan call me. And when I didn't call, he called two more times that day. And so I talked to Jesse Duplantis on the phone for an hour. Do you know why he called me? He told me on the phone, I was talking to my friend, Dr. James Morocco, and he mentioned you. And I know I met you last year briefly. Interesting. Interesting. So now, who knew? I didn't know they knew each other. Dr. Morocco's Assemblies of God. Assemblies of God has not been the kindest to prosperity preachers. So now his friend vouched for me. You ever heard of Jonathan Shuttlesworth? And, and so then we got talking. And I learned some things. One thing that I learned I was looking, at, I was looking into purchasing aircraft. And somebody said to me, why would you purchase an aircraft? Why wouldn't you just take that money and charter better planes? What's the benefit of owning the plane instead of chartering it? I didn't have an answer to that question. So I told him that and I said, but when they asked me that, I told Adolis, I don't have the answer to that question, but I bet you Jesse Duplantis does. I had a feeling if you asked Jesse Duplantis, what's the benefit of owning an aircraft instead of chartering? He wouldn't go, huh, never thought of that. He said, oh, I'll tell you, and for 35 minutes told me the financial benefit, the physical benefit, the spiritual benefit, and I'm leaving one out. So now I have an answer to that question. Not that I'm necessarily going to do it, but now I know what the argument is against owning one and what the strong argument is for owning one. He's going to come here and preach. We're just setting a date. You remember, um, I'll throw this in finally. I promise this will be it. Remember when I said hire the best of the best? Watch who I have in to my church to preach. Nothing but, there'll be nothing but five-star preachers. I'm not getting my buddy to come fill my pulpit so I can go visit my, my parents in Maine or whatever. Get the best of the best. I'm going to miss a Sunday at some point this year. And whoever fills in for me, it'll be an upgrade. People won't even know I'm gone. People try to get deals on everything. Why haven't you had, if you're a pastor, why haven't you had the best preachers into your church? Obviously, you got to get people that are in line with you doctrinally. But in your in your tribe why haven't you had the best preachers in? I don't think they'd come here. Have you asked them? You'd be surprised where people are willing to come after COVID. All the big churches are empty. It's a mistake to waste services. I'm having in the guy, we went to Bible college together, you know, his ministry never really took off, and he ended up having an affair, and um, he's not doing well. I wanted to have him come in and preach just to help him out. If you want to help him out, send him some money. Don't have some, some train wreck come in <laughs> who lost the anointing and wreck your church. Your business is not a charity. And your ministry, though it gets charitable status, it's not a charity. It's a serious thing. Take it seriously. Be serious about who you hire. Be serious about your time. Take your life, and that's a good way to leave you. Take your life seriously. You get one. You're not a Grand Theft Auto character. If I get hit by a bus, I can't hit the A button and drop back down from the sky and keep walking. You get one life, it goes like this, get on it. Do the things that are in your heart to do and do them five star. Don't let anybody tell you it's expensive. Then get the money. Thanks, Gina. Write it down. I'm going to take my life very seriously. I'm going to take my calling very seriously. I'm going to take my assignment seriously. I think one thing that helped that be an easy thing for me was seeing that angel when I was eight years old, because I know one day I'm going to go into that realm and give an account for what I've done in this body. So people being offended at how I run my time or course of action I take, it's not important to me because I'm interested in hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. If God gave me a construction company, and in the plan of God, that was to be a $300 million a year enterprise, and instead I took steps to make it an enterprise that made me $60,000 a year as personal salary, and tithe six grand and then a little offering, when the Lord was going to use me to to, to build churches all over my nation and the nations of the world, I would be embarrassed. You can stand before the Lord and have him say, hey... You want to take a look at what you, I, I had planned for you to do, and it be 90 times more than what you did? Or how about standing before the Lord and Him saying, this is what I had planned for you to do, but because you excelled in that, to he who does well with what's been given, more is, is given. And so you actually went way past where I had originally intended for you to go because I kept adding other unfaithful servants' talents to your mix. Which one do you want to hear? I want to hear the second one. So whoever gets offended in my pursuit of that, what I'm doing right now necessitates an aircraft. It doesn't matter. And I don't mean that like I don't care. I mean I really don't care how people feel about it because I don't want to offend Christ. I want to hear, well done, that's the only offense I care about. Remember, Billy Graham said Americans are concerned about offending everybody except God? That's how I feel with your average person. Well, I'm not going to take a plane, you know, Pete. That'll turn a lot of people off to the gospel. Will it? The only people it turns off are religious people. I had a guy comment the last time I took a plane. You're always posting photos of you taking a plane. I can't, you, you've turned a lot of people off to the gospel. Okay, well, you're not using aircraft. Why do you have 46 followers on Instagram? How come you haven't turned anybody on to the gospel? Doing things the opposite of how I'm doing it. Your way doesn't work. I'm going to get my mission done. People's feelings are irrelevant to me, plus, they change. The same person that criticizes you for doing something ten years later will come back and tell them they're sorry, tell you they're sorry. Sorry, I said that to you back then. I I've actually started listening to you again, and I really enjoy what you do. So, people go up and down. They throw you palm Sunday, then they kill you. The same people laying palm branches down are saying, "Give us Bar- Barabbas and kill Jesus." That's people, Father. Give us all divine speed to accomplish our tasks and divine wisdom to do it best. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow what we've been calling a dream seed. I was listening to Dr. Mike Murdoch this morning talk about when the Lord spoke to him to sow an $8,500 seed because he had just been given... He gave all his money away, got an $8,500 check supernaturally, and felt like that was his testimony. Like the Lord. And the Lord said, now sow that. And when he sowed the $8,500 seed was when he started to get six-figure royalty checks for the songs that he wrote. Tammy Faye Baker wanted to use his song, You Can Make It. Just that song produced hundreds of thousands of dollars in royalties. He said, he said this morning, Very shortly, I was sitting by myself going from not having a table and chair in my apartment and using a bed sheet as a curtain to having over $400,000 in my savings account like this. Dream seed. Put a seed in the ground that will give you the finances when you receive the harvest to do the thing that's in your heart to do. $6,000 isn't going to turn into $1.2 million no matter how hard you squeeze it and how frugal you are, and how many appetizers you don't order to save money. Sowing produces reaping. If you keep it, it's the biggest it'll ever be. If you sow it, it's the smallest it'll ever be. I'm going to send you the two books that deal with a lot of the things I've been teaching on by doctor. I love you, too. Thanks for the kind words. Uh... Two books by Dr. Mike Murdoch that if you've enjoyed this teaching, you'll enjoy these books. These are my thank you. The Leadership Secrets of Jesus, 58 Wisdom Keys That Can Unleash the Greatest Miracles You've Ever Experienced, and Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived, 31 Master Secrets from the Life of King Solomon. Both books are yours for your seat of any size. Anyone that sows... $2,000 $2,000 or more. Thanks, Melissa. I'm going to send you all three of the Bibles we give away. Revival Today Preaching Bible, the Revival Today Kingdom Builder Bible, and then the Dake Annotated Reference Bible for study for anybody that sows 2000 or more. And I'm believing. Oh, thank God I read the rest of the sentence, Jeanette. It says, I'm going to take my life. Then I read the rest, my assignment and my calling, seriously. When I read that, I was like, "Oh, holy moly, I'm going to pause and pray real quick. I don't know what happened since I saw you in February. But I'm glad you're taking your life seriously, not taking your life. See you at the prayer service. Um, here's the ways you can, you can sew. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Right underneath Ways to Give, in my opinion, that's the easiest way. RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. Text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT Give. Venmo, at RT Give. PayPal, RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. If you'd like to give cryptocurrency. So where did I leave off? Law of admiration. So I've got forty three three through fifty to get to next week as this book slowly turns into an encyclopedia. You can scan that QR code on your phone and give cryptocurrency. Thank you for those of you who have given cryptocurrency. Oh yes, you can join me online for prayer tonight. No, nope, wrong slide. If you want to mail it, revival today. P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you want to speak with a human being, 412-446-2332. Plus one, 412-446-2332. If you're international. Don't forget to claim your offer. Once you've given, go to revivaltoday.com and click Claim My Offer. Because if you give, for example, by Cash App or Venmo or cryptocurrency and several other ways, we don't get your name and address, then I can't send you the books. Then you think I'm a liar. You know, I should have known. I heard about those preachers. It's all a scam. When really, it's just because we didn't have your information. All right, tonight's the big night. Get there live. You can leave now and get here. Friday, 7 p.m., Miracle Service. All night prayer begins at 11 p.m. Saturday, 6 p.m., Communion Service. Sunday, 10 a.m., Main Event. That's here in Pittsburgh at Revival Today Church, 107 Patton Drive, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania, 15108. Details are important. There's a preacher that I know. He posted a thing on Instagram. Come and join me for a Holy Ghost weekend. And it said the name of the church. No address, no city. My cousin Teddy commented underneath. It'll have to be a Holy Ghost weekend for people to find the church. I'd like to come. It's a five-hour drive. Well, if you leave now, you'll be two hours early. Is five hours a long drive? If you come, the five hours, I'll get you your, your hotel for you. Just to uh, Actually, I don't know. Then when would you sleep? Can't check in at six. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get the reservation for tonight so you can sleep and then go back. All right, Deborah, that's my deal. If you come here, just tell somebody on staff when you get here that you're Deborah and you drove five hours and we'll get your hotel. Do I send to Germany as well? Of course I do. We love Germans. Come join us for prayer tonight. Five hours from London, Ontario. Is it only five hours to Pittsburgh from London, Ontario? We'll make it down. They'll let you through the border, you know, if you have a vaccine uh, or a religious exemption. And if you've been vaccinated, I'll still let you come to church. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. If you're listening to my wife's, thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.